0: Uh, uh. <sighs> will we ever get to the actual episode tell me more chat mm.
1: mm.
0: yeah yeah surprise i got that sass man Some seriously dark shit lurking under the surface well
2: he's fucking great so whatever
1: does that count as a death if i want you to die are you
2: molding a squirrel out of c4 as we speak pretty neat
1: that was neat though. broadcasting
0: live from inside the power band this is the blog In this episode, everybody dies. I'm your horse. I'm your horse. I'm the worst. The Mulverine, along with our energetic friend, Yar Higo.
1: Hey.
0: (laughs) And the always positive, C-Lab Forever. I thought it was Sassy Orange Swirl. And with the always positive, Orange Sassy Swirl. That's the worst name ever. What's up? It's the best name ever, and I had that actually
1: written in my notes to say, and I already forgot. He blew it already. An early death,
0: folks. Welcome to the podcast. This week we are revisiting the world of the boys. Season two is released on Amazon Prime. For some reason, they're doing it like network show, so we only got see, uh, episodes one through four. So we're going to be doing season two, part one today. Uh, one of you want to take that.
1: So high level on the boys. What do y'all think? First floor episode, season two. Uh, Do you have a penic erection?
0: I was going to say penic level two on this. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's laughing.
2: (laughs) You can't tell who it is. Penic level two. Uh, Yes, penic level two as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think same, same. I was, I, I'm not overly enamored with this season, and I was very, very enamored with the first season. I'm not hating on it, but I, I'm just, yeah, it's very wishy-washy. It's nowhere near as tight, I should say. That's my, like, ultra high level.
0: I agree. There's, well, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's plenty to talk about here. Um, Before we go any further, Chad, this is not a derailment. I would just like to congratulate Zar Higo on, as I went through the edit on the Zardoz episode, I really feel like your Sean Connery impression is pretty legit excellent. It is really good. And every time I listened to it, which was many during the edit, I was almost convinced that it was Sean Connery and not (laughs) my old friend Ben Higo. So wow, that's that's great praise.
1: Thank
2: you, sir.
0: Yeah, dude. Grats to you, man. That was that was pretty kick-ass.
1: And you know, to be fair again to you here, Kev, this isn't off topic because Sean Connery's branded Chuck Connors was born in the boys episode that we made for the show.
0: You know, if he ripped all of his clothes off, but kept the like the long leather coat and like with the beard, the scruffy beard, total porn matrix. The only thing would be he would have to be have on is like a pair of like high top Chuck Connors or something.
1: I'm trying to figure out what a Chuck Connor would be. It's a pair of Converse All Stars? Well that Chuck Taylors. Sorry, Chuck Taylors. Sorry, Chuck Taylors. Holy Chuck shit, Connors? I just died
0: twice again. Wow. You died
1: again. The only thing that I could think of was like a Sean Connery oh, man. Chuck Taylor kind of crossover where they do like a sponsor, you know, like a, <laughs> I mean, a collab.
0: Did you say did, did know, you like- say Sean Connery or Chuck Woolery? <laughs> Chuck.
1: <laughs> It's Sean Connery, <laughs> Chuck Woolery collaboration to create the ultimate converse.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Converse all stars. <laughs> Those are some nice shoes, Chuck. Do they make them for men?
0: <laughs> That's right. One of my notes for this episode was
1: that. Note from that other episode. Chuck yes. Connors, dude. That was one of my favorites. So far
2: our episode is mostly hearkening back to previous episodes.
1: <laughs>
0: Folks, will we ever get to the actual episode? Let's find out.
2: Yeah, level two isn't really uh <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right, we'll not go to level two with you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, I got it out of my system. This is the messiest first five minutes of an episode ever.
2: (laughs) Level two is not really a criticism. I don't really know where the story is going yet. And, you know, I'm enjoying the season well enough. And, you know, I'm kind of viewing it as it's basically more of the same. Kind of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm not really seeing any rapid, many wild departures from the first season. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see where it's going. I'm not hating it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to end up liking it as much as the first season, but it might just be because the first season was like the first time I was introduced to this universe. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is, I, I made a note in my, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I think this season should be called the further adventures of stock Raven and the gang.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's uh, I, the response. He kind of gave the response, Chad, that I was going to give you, or Ben just touched on it. It's it's that it's the second season. So it's not that it's not tight. It's just that the wow factor of the first season, meaning the first time we're introduced to this content, is over, you know, and you were a reader of the comic books. You talked about how different they were and how the, the, the television program was much better And I think that it was, and we were, we were, we were hyped about it. Everybody was hyped about it. You know, I mean, I heard from every single person I talked to that watched this last year said it was incredible, you know? And I think, so I I don't think it is so much that second season is bad. I just think that it's like, you know, it's like you, you come out of the gate and like everybody gets high on it. And then it's like, you know, season two, it's like, okay, we're, we've come down and, you know unless you do something really incredible in a second season of any television show, it's going to kind of feel that way. I think we had the same feeling on the expanse I'm trying to think what else we did that had multiple parts. I don't know. I think the expanse was the biggest one we've done. Um, so at any rate, it, that that's, you know, like I, that's what I think about that. Tell me more, Chad,
2: Chad, I will, I will uh, add that, that the story does seem less focused so far this season. Yeah. Um, it's, kind of in a bunch of different directions and I'm not sure how they're going to tie it all together or even if it is, you know, I mean maybe at this point the first season is an introduction and then the rest of this is like kind of more episodic or more of like a continuation story, like a, you know, ever evolving story where like we're going to get to the end of the season. There's going to still be some loose ends and stuff that we need to wait until the next season for. I I hope not, but
1: yeah, yeah,
2: it does seem less focused.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like, this is pure speculation but i feel like it's reasonably it's reasonable to assume amazon's pushing them to make multiple seasons you know it wouldn't surprise me at all if they wanted to make two or three seasons and call it a deal and amazon's like oh no 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 we're gonna be making six seasons you know what i mean um i hope that's not the case but it wouldn't surprise me at all
2: yeah like amazon has the opposite problem as netflix (laughs) Like they're they're trying to like resuscitate and keep series going longer than they need to be where Netflix is like constantly cutting them off short <laughs> mm. yeah, mm.
1: yeah, but I remember seeing an interview with uh whatever the dude was that did lost saying that the studio wanted them to make like fucking ten seasons or fifteen seasons and they were just like, whoa dude, we were thinking about wrapping this thing up like way sooner and they settled on whatever it was six and yes, it wouldn't six. it wouldn't surprise me if it was something similar you know or Amazon hasn't really found its Game of Thrones yet, and we've spoken in previous episodes about how Bezos wants a Game of Thrones-like franchise, and I hope that that's not what's happening here, because I feel like this could have been a, a real tight couple of seasons, but if they have this season as an episodic thing, like you said, Benny, or if they have this as a setup for season three and it's just kind of a whatever season, I just, I'm not super pumped on that. And the looseness of it is just kind of so far the only kind of major disappointment for me. I just feel like season one was just super crisp and sharp and tight and every plot point and interaction had purpose. And I feel like there could have been a bunch of shit cut out of this.
0: Okay. A quick, a quick note on that. Amazon comment you guys made i think looking for the next game of thrones is a really bad idea it should just be about making great content if something hits and blows up great if it doesn't yeah, agreed. don't it's I, I don't understand this ridiculous mentality i mean whatever it's a business mentality so but that's really hard to apply to creative work so at any rate um i know what you're saying chad but i think that the sort of natural progression of the story is that it would be all over the place so you know if we if we think back to the end of the first season it's like madeline gets her freaking brain melted by homelander and then the c4 so she's like completely destroyed billy gets you know dropped off by homelander on his wife's front lawn surprise they're all wanted fugitives huey's lost everything his dad his girlfriend his job you know mother's milk ditto frenchie He's still kind of doing what he was always doing. But I, I think that that's how it should be. So I could posit that it is exactly right where it should be. And it, it should feel that way because that's where they're at. It's like at this point in, in episode one, we don't even know where Billy is. Like I didn't even know, like watching it, I was like, is he even alive? Like what, what, is, what is going on? I mean, I mean, I knew he was alive, obviously. He was going to be back, you know, for the second season. But it's just like we don't we don't have any idea. Like they were scattered to the wind essentially is the short way of saying it, you know? So it's like the fact that it has a weird feel like that in the beginning, and it's going to take a little bit of time for everybody to kind of glue back together and then figure out the next direction. Really, when I think about it seems exactly right. So I don't know, I'm just throwing that out there.
2: Uh Undoubtedly, they started off in the right place. Um Just not sure like it just feels like there's, uh, I mean, I don't know what the main story arc is, yeah. you know. There seems to be a bunch of them now. You know, there's there's uh, Huey and Annie, you know, exposing Vaught for Compound V. There's, you know... Stormfront, you know, seemingly trying to sort of take over the seven from, you know, sneakily from, you know, behind the scenes sort of. There's, you know, Kamiko and her brother finding her, her brother and all that. There's, you know, there's there's like a lot of different threads. And I'm not sure where it's going just yet. I mean, it could come together beautifully. Might,
1: yeah, hopefully. I don't know.
2: That's that's why I'm I'm at level two right now, because I don't, I just don't know. For me, my enjoyment is coming out of the little details of the series right now. Mm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. less about, like, what's actually happening and how they're, how they're dealing with what's happening, you know? Just to to bolster that thought further, like,
0: you, you really need to walk into something like this with an empty head. Because if you start setting expectations and you start setting your bar, um, you're invariably going to be disappointed. So, uh, you know, walking into it, not expecting anything is really the way to do it. That is not what I did, but that's what I should have done. I was taking my own advice and done that, you know, and Ben's comment just reminded me of that, you know. Um, and again, we don't we don't really know what's going to happen. I think we're all a little bit gun-shy and scarred from Westworld season three, to be honest, like same eight eight episode format just like this one i don't remember if it came out when covid was going on still or not but i know we were all pretty pumped at the end of episode four and then we all were pretty damn disappointed at the end of episode eight so i'm hopeful that this will be better i think it will be and really want
1: it to be i don't think it will be but i hope <laughs> you be proven wrong I really do. I really do hope to be proven wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, orange, sassy, swirl. (laughs) I got that sass, man. Dude, kid. I've got one more comment on the high level um, that came based on listening to our previous episodes, where one of the really poignant thoughts that was brought to the table was by Benny saying how scary he found Homelander in season one. And I feel like that's a major Mm. letdown in this. He isn't scary in this. And Oh, I disagree. He's become a bit more of a a punching bag, and that might be by design in terms of the stormfront kind of, you know, eroding things from behind the scenes, et cetera, et cetera. But I think he's has a different feel in this one than he did to season in season one to me, and I'm a bit let down by that. Okay, Ben, what do you think about that?
2: Um, I I think I. Get what you're saying, he there's they seem to be exposing a, a previously unknown vulnerable side, I guess, mm. of Homelander. He seems to be like, I mean, insofar as somebody who's a total narcissist can be vulnerable, he seems to not be getting the attention that he needs. Um, now that Madeline is gone, I guess probably has a lot to do with it um you know and his his like seeking to reconnect with his son and and all of that ho- whole thing like sort of seems to make him weaker in general but i don't know man i mean <laughs> when he, when he fucking boxes bl- blind spots ears yeah that was pretty <laughs> it just like ruins the guy like just just to prove a point that's like i mean scarier he pushes his son off a roof like you know i mean he's still he's still fucking scary i don't i don't i don't know that i'm feeling that he is uh, you know so far he's seemingly weaker this season but i still think that anthony Starr is doing a great job homeenders interplay with ashley is is pretty fucking creepy you know like he he, he makes it clear that he wants to be in charge and you know, he does that by taking out blind spot, and, you know, just she's fucking wound up and totally freaked out this season because of him. So, you know, there's an example of him being, you know, his old menacing self. Yep.
0: That's fair. Okay. So I echo a lot of what Ben says. I'm just going to try to add to it. He's scarier, in my opinion, in this season, certainly in the beginning. Really? Okay. Yeah. In the beginning, he's scarier, right? So it's like all of that stuff. Like when I was watching it, I was like, okay, so we already know what a total sociopathic, psychopathic narcissist this guy is, right? Raised by wolves, essentially, right? Raised in a lab, no mother to care for him, the whole like breast milk thing, the whole Madeline thing, just super creepy. This guy is creepy and scary. And I feel like in the beginning of the of this episode one of the season, he was as scary, if not scarier. And then I think what happens is, is I think Ben was kind of skirting around, but what I was going to say is that he's starting to deconstruct because what's happening to him is he's coming up against things that he doesn't have any defense against. And these things are unraveling him. You know what I mean? He can't just laser everything to death. Like that. that's sort of his thing, right? Like he's fairly manipulative, right? But really it's his incredible power you know, the laser beams and the flying and the physical strength and the invulnerability, whatever, like that, that's, he's like physically imposing, but he's coming up against things that he can't fight back against, that he has no defense against, that he has no superpower mm-hmm. against. I'm doing a really shitty job of explaining this, but the best no, example, that's, that's, like that's a good. great example, what do you,
2: you say? No, that's good. That's good. That's a great way of uh, you feeling me. Yep. You're 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 fleshing out what I was putting down there and he's, exactly. he's encountering he's encountering obstacles that he doesn't have the tools to deal with. Thank you. God damn it, my brain sucks this morning. So and he's he's kind of he's kind of hit the ground running in this season and right. he's off balance and that in some ways does make him more scary, but I don't think we've seen that played out just yet. Well, we haven't Right. So we, exactly what Ben said.
0: So he sort of articulated my, my thought uh, a lot better than I could. So We've, I think what's going to happen is that we're you helped me along
2: And then I helped you along.
0: <laughs> exactly, man. This is how we do here on the EBD podcast. We're all about the love. I think he's going to get scarier as he comes more unraveled. Like, I feel like he's, there's like one thread out on the sweater right now. And As it starts to unravel more, he's going to get way scarier and likely self-destruct. I mean, typically people and characters do that when they're at this point, but who knows what's going to happen in the terms of the story. But I, I definitely think he's going to get scarier as he starts to unravel. And I definitely think he's beginning to unravel and he's going to unravel more. The great example is like when he starts to visit the kid, right? And then he tells the kid to jump off the roof and, you know, the mom kind of freaks out for a second and then he's like, he's fine. And then the kid like freaks out and his eyes start glowing and he's just like, fuck you. I hate you. Like, get out of here. Like, I'm not, I'm not you. I don't want to do this. I don't really even want to be a superhero, you know? So like, those are things that like he can't contend with. Like Ben said, he doesn't have the tools to deal with those things, right? So It's like, what do you do? It's like, you're so fascinated and really intrigued from like a childlike level of like this kid that is your kid, right? And this is from a person who has grown in a lab and raised by a corporation that marketed him his entire life. I mean, it's just, he doesn't know what to do, right? So the kid says, fuck you and tells him to go F off. He's like, that's, that's damaging to his psyche. He doesn't know how to deal with that because he doesn't have those tools. And then, you know, ditto with Stan Edgar. It's like, he goes in and he's like, yeah, I don't like this. I don't like that. And Edgar's like, yeah, you know what? We're not really in the superhero business, bro. We're in the pharmaceutical business. And you're way more irrelevant than you think you are. And you can see his cage getting visibly rattled when that's going on in that whole exchange. You know, and it's, so that that's where you get like somebody like this grasping for straws, like what he's doing with Ashley, you know, and, and all of that sort of thing. And then Stormfront comes in. So this is like example number three, and she does essentially the same thing. And then when he confronts her about it, she kind of re-ups on that. So I think that like what's happening with Homelander is super interesting. And I again, like I cannot say enough about the quality of Anthony Starr's acting. It is just fucking stellar. I don't know. So what, what do you think about that response that me and ben gave you chad i mean is are you feeling that or what
1: yeah i think my initial frustration with the wishy-washiness of homelander as the season has developed is clearly developing into him you know becoming either unhinged or it's like a setup for sure like i I get it i didn't really take the ashley thing and the smacking of that guy in the ears thing too seriously but the way that you guys framed it yes it is good examples of that same level of psychopathy and whatnot i suppose i just like was coming at it from the like there's no airplane moment or there's no like blasting a fucking private jet at the end of episode one season one with like a child waving at you from the window moment so i think i was just coming at it from a different place but i I do think that you both provided good examples of why he's still quite mm, scary scary yeah And I just think that, like,
0: Ben's example of the blind superhero, that was the airplane moment. So far. So far.
1: Yeah. I guess, like, it was a bit of a throwaway comment in terms of, like, a first general feeling that Homelander isn't scary. But the the not-as-tight stuff, I think, tied into that for me. Where, like, my initial thinking up front is, like, you could have cut Ashley completely. You could have cut Stormfront completely. You could have cut Gecko completely, and it would have just made more room for the main story. And I can explain all that later. And like I'm not discounting Ashley and the actress that plays Ashley; she's great. But um, as we get th- go through the first four episodes, I can kind of explain that a bit in a bit more detail. I don't feel like going further down this particular mineshaft shaft is, mm-hmm. is is a good use of time right now. So I think jumping into another character would make some it sense. Sounds like
2: your reading of the comics has sort of colored your your view a little bit here because maybe you have a better idea of where the story is going
1: yeah potentially i mean the comics don't cover a lot of ground um in terms of story like you know season one of the show would would easily get you halfway through the actual totality of the story of the comics so there's not a hell of a long way to go necessarily but um okay
0: wow okay
1: but like We don't need to dive into her right now, but Stormfront is a good example of a difference where, like, Stormfront is, like, a full-blown fucking Nazi and is played by a dude and is part of a secondary group of heroes in the comic and has no real relevance. Like, she's, like, full-blown fucking swastika... Or he's, like, a full-blown swastika armband Nazi that Hitler tried to kill. Ridiculousness. So the character Stormfront is there. It's just, I guess, like a frustration which may or may not be valid is like we're spending a bunch of time on storefront who in my opinion is being set up to be maybe the character that dies in season two like the sub villain because homeland is not going to get his comeuppance in season two and season two needs a villain and she's it but i'd rather find out more about the characters that were all left with threads hanging in season one so i don't know I- i'm having a hard time kind of Expressing why I feel as though it's not tight, but that's uh, an attempt at a at at, no. at explaining it.
0: Oh, you just explained
1: it. I got it. We can take that segue and and jump into characters. On what do you guys think about Stormfront as the new character?
2: I don't have a ton of notes on Stormfront. Um, I feel like she is fifty-fifty with the with the quips. Um, <laughs> one one comment that stuck out to me was uh, Pippi Longstocking would bite a D. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. I liked that. But uh sometimes she wasn't hit. I don't know. She seems to be uh pretty fucking racist. Yeah. Huh? Like that seems to be something that's driving her. And I had ascertained that before we find out about the woman who has since aged who whose brother was killed by her. Yeah. Back in the day. But, you know, she like very I was I kinda got it, where like she fucking is hunting down uh Miko and her brother and she just blasts them into that apartment complex which is like seemingly in a predominantly black neighborhood but she's just like destroying the fucking apartment complex and like you know she runs across a guy in the stairway and just like you know throws him out the fucking window for no apparent reason. So I kind of picked up on it at that point but um you know so maybe she's not a nazi but is sort of like I don't know a heavy duty racist. Well coming
0: from being clearly a a character that has some sort of slow aging situation going on and as a side effect of her superpowers, obviously Um, she's definitely a racist. She's what's great about her and the actress that's playing her is that there's a, you you can, you start to feel is certainly by episode four, maybe three, that there's like some seriously dark shit lurking under the surface. I think part of that's with the reveal of her being Liberty, obviously, but You know, you can kind of sense that darkness lurking underneath. Like at first I was kind of like, oh, she's just kind of like a younger, you know, like all over social media, blah, 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 like kind of thing. But then it's
2: like, yeah, with the social media stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. But then as you go, like there's a really interesting kind of unfolding of this character happening. You know, it's like you start thinking one thing and then the the way that she talks to everybody and the conversations she has with Starlight, you know, and then as a little bit more is revealed, like it just adds like layers, facets really to this gem of a character.
2: I saw in passing somewhere that somebody was like, oh, Stormfront is way worse than Homelander. And I was like, oh, I'm not seeing it. And, uh, you know, they're, it's slowly exposing itself.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not sure how I feel about that, but... I, I don't know either. I think they're both probably going to be pretty
1: awful in their own special, unique ways. She's clearly much older, so... Yeah. I just don't get what that does the story, you know? Like, we've already got Homelander. We don't need another Homelander. And, you know, we've already got Starlight. We don't need another person pushing the same agenda like i feel like she at the writing of her not the actor or the character but just the writing of Mm -hmm. her is taking part of homelander away from him and part of starlight away from her as opposed to like focusing on starlight and homelander you know i just i don't quite understand the the placement of her uh
0: because i don't think that's the locus like i think that Oh shit! I think I just got it. I may may have just gotten it. I was trying to figure out for the life of me why Reina kept saying right before her head exploded, like, "Oh, this is there's a it's a coup from the inside at vote or right vote vote." Vought. Did I say that right? Vot. Jesus, that's a death. <laughs> vote anyway. To finish my thought, that um, she keeps saying like it's a coup from the inside at Vot, and that's. I think that's what's happening with Stormfront. Like when she first said it, I couldn't, I didn't see it. I was like, no. Because I was thinking like an employee from the inside. And then, you know, you had Gecko stealing the compound V and all that sort of stuff. It's like, it's a coup from the inside. And then now I'm thinking slash positing that she could be the coup from the inside. Now she's there, especially after that whole thing. She, that spiel she gives to Homelander about like social media and I have soldiers, you have followers, blah, blah, blah. Like. There's something going on there. It it may be a coup from the inside, but I feel like she's trying to take the whole thing over.
2: You guys with feeling me or what? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what not sure what her motivation is. I know what she's trying to do. I just don't know like why. I don't know what's happening yet. Does that make any sense?
0: Yes, it makes a lot of sense. I think that's the beauty of it, doing like the part one of these these seasons is that we don't know. So, you know, we can come up with theories and speculate and posit various different things.
1: I was I was kind of hoping that Giancarlo Esposito's character was bringing Stormfront into the Seven as a plant to undermine Homelander and weaken him and, and just kind of like distract the Seven and get them out of the fucking way so that they can push their pharmaceutical agenda with the U.S. military. That was my hope, you know, but... Uh- Chad, if I can jump in for
0: two seconds, that's my theory number two on the coup from the inside, going off what Reyna said, that he, Stan Edgar brought her in as a plant to to help him kind
1: of dismantle what was going on from the inside. Yeah. And, you know, it seems pretty clear that Esposito's character doesn't give a shit about the Seven because it's not the focus, and that, like, dressing down of Homelander in in the executive suite was a really great clarifying moment for, like, what Vod actually cares about. Like They don't give a shit about all the movies. They don't give a shit about The Seven or the collateral damage. They're just trying to get the pharmaceuticals into the government, you know, like into the military. That's where the money's at for them. So bringing Stormfront in as a plant to kind of keep them distracted or just keep them out of the way is a better use for the Stormfront character, regardless of whether they're a Nazi or a man or a woman or whatever. And I feel like having that character focused as a plant would have been a better use of the character as opposed to a person focused as a plant and, you know, taking away from Homelander and taking away from Starlight. So I guess it was just kind of like a little bit muddy, I suppose. Because I feel like Starlight's really, is practically a fucking non-character this season. You know, she doesn't really do or say much of anything. Like, she's gathering a bit more strength, but she was such a badass in season one. She was so, such an awesome character arc in season one that I just... She hasn't had any attention really this season and just kind of found it a missed opportunity.
0: Hmm. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Like about Starlight. I think that, I think she's had a ton of face time. We're sort of just, again, we're seeing season two should not be a carbon copy of season one. And in really any show. And I think that we're seeing the, you know, the kind of the next phase, next level, whatever. I mean, she went through, deep whipping it out and being like suck it if you want to be in the seven and you know all of the things that she went through in the first one you know hooking up with huey and then he lies to her and it's like we're you know we're seeing a lot of the aftermath from that you know she was so eh? starry-eyed in the
1: first one Uh yeah and now she's really i want you i want you to die does that count as a death if i want you to die yeah this could be a new (laughs) category Why, you didn't didn't like that pun?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love that, man. All right. Homicide. That's a new category. (laughs) Murder, death, kill right there. Anyway, so I think that she was starry-eyed in the first season, and now she's seen the way it really is. You know, it's very much the same journey that I think almost everybody goes on when they, or a lot of people go on when they're, you know, sort of getting out of high school and they're, you know, getting into the world and it's like, you, you think the world is one way and then you get out in it and you're like, Oh wow, (laughs) this is fucked up. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I, I think she, had that like it was like oh she's in the seven and all that then it's like deep and like she sees the way that it really is and how horrible it is and then now it's like you know the kind of the aftermath of that and now she's actively trying to get the compound v to expose vaught yeah i mean and help huey who she's really struggling with because she was really hurt by him lying to her you know so i i You know, I I still feel like there was a good amount of Starlight, and we still got four episodes to see more of Starlight. And yeah, I agree. She's a great character.
2: Yeah. I think uh, she has an important arc in this season. She went through everything she went through to try and take Vought down by exposing them for using compound V on kids. And at the midpoint of the season, this has not had the effect that we would, you know, or that she and Huey would hope it would have, it seems like they kind of, you know, took some heat for a minute and then, you know, Giancarlo Esposito sort of managed to like, you know, redirect and slough it off. So it's just not having thus far that plan didn't pan out. So, you know, I think we'll see what's going to happen going forward. There was the fucked up moment where Homelander, uh, confront her in the elevator and the, the hitherto unknown move of the ovary poke, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was brought forth. That's um, weird. yeah, I'm not sure where that's going because she totally convinced him that she hates Huey. And then, you know, literally the next thing she's on a road trip with Huey and mother's milk. So,
1: yeah, I don't know. I think, again, I think it's, you know, we're yet to see Playing both sides. Yeah.
2: We're yet to see what's really going on.
1: Yeah. I suppose, you know, I think I, I I spent a bit of time thinking about this before the episode, but I don't. It's pretty clear that the thought is not fully formed because I I am not communicating properly what my issues are with this. I think really my my biggest frustration is the stormfront interaction with with Starlight. You know, like Starlight is the new kid who everyone thinks is a goody two shoes because she kind of is, and you know she has exactly what you just described as the arc of like, she went through some shit with the deep. Now she wants to take down Vaz. She's got the Huey thing. Yep. Totally. Huey lied to her. Yep. Totally on board with that. And then Stormfront comes in and is just like, you know, you're the fucking Vaughn girl, you know, stop being such a fucking corporate shill. Fuck you. And it's just like, it just detracts from the arc, you know, like it's just, it's just a pointless fucking detraction, I guess. And that was where there was just like a, it just seems like there's a lot of wasted time in this. I'd rather spend more time with Starlight and more time with them. Mm-hmm. But I'm just beating the same dead horse. Yeah.
2: So. yeah, that's fair. And she does seem to have, like, her um her reaction, her confidence level seems to be sort of all over the place. Like, you know, she seems to kind of, even though technically Stormfront is the new kid on the block, she seems to sort of demure to Stormfront. Yet at the same time, like, there's this game going on with her and A-Train. yeah. And, you know, she sort of finds her feet with a train and and tells him what the fuck is up, puts him in his place. So she's a little wishy washy, I guess. Mm. Right. But I think that's because this is
0: operating in that way in reality is not her wheelhouse. That's not where she came from. So she's had to learn all of this stuff since she joined the seven since the first season. So now we're seeing her actually having to execute that stuff. Like she's. You know I mean it's kind of interesting because she has followed her heart in a lot of the situations to do the right thing like we saw at the end of season 1 but then she has to go and sort of try to be as manipulative as everybody else in the 7 to kind of further her own agenda of kind of taking it down so she's that's not really her wheelhouse she's learning how to do that and I think that's where that wishy-washiness comes from you know she's like trying to work a train and you know kind of stumbling as she's she's doing it. So I think we're seeing, you know, again everything seems pretty normal. That's fair. In terms of in terms of what they're doing, you know what I mean? Natural progression, I guess is what I'm saying,
1: you know. So, but the wishy-washy example I think is I agree with you, Kev, like I I do think it's realistic. I suppose like where we left off in season in where we left off in episode 4 with kind of like We'll get to it later, but Butcher and Becca, and then Huey and, and Starlight. I just found it so odd that they would pull the same old hero loses everything bullshit trope with both Butcher and Huey in terms of they both lose their their partners. In, and Starlight's like, oh, I'm so hurt, and then ends up on a road trip, and then ends up in a bed, and then says goodbye Huey forever. Like, it's just... It's just just seemed so fucking pointless like why go on the road trip you know clearly they're going to probably have the like everyone's back to fucking together and everyone's in love same old, same old. but i think wishy-washy is a great way to describe some of the uh the writing decisions in some of the character arcs that that i can get down with more it's got to come back in some way and they're going to obviously change it but uh where we are in episode four i just kind of left with a bit of a shrug fair enough i mean look i didn't
0: I mean I I set this show at Panic Level 2, right? So that means that like I'm not super happy. I'm not super stoked. <laughs> Jesus. But as I talk about it more, I'm slightly more stoked because I'm discovering things as I'm saying them and as I'm listening to you guys. So a lot of the stuff that I've said in this episode, I, I really thought of like 80% of that as we were talking. Like going into it, I was like, well you know, the music was underwhelming and this was underwhelming. And, you know, it's, I I don't think that there's anything wrong with what they're doing in season two. I feel like it is in fact the very natural progression of how the story would go after like a major, major events at the end of season one. And we're obviously building back up to something else. I'm already feeling like eight episodes is going to be too little time to tell the story. And I was complaining about that a lot with Westworld and I think on Watchmen as
1: well, but. And maybe that's part of my, my frustration with the potential, lack of a tight story or wishy-washiness mm. is like, I know there's only four more and it's like, it's going to be hard to pull this off. Why didn't you just fucking get focused? But well,
0: fair it, enough. Fair enough. But does, we don't, but, but this show, look, hold that thought for one second, Ben, like this show has a great track record and the cast is great. The writing was great for a season. So we don't know what's going to happen. So I am not, I am, I'm am reserving judgment on stuff like that for after the last four yeah, episodes, fair, fair. I think is where I'm at. You know, With Westworld,
1: I wasn't, I don't know, as forgiving. I'm more on the Westworld motorcycle. I'm more on the like, yeah. Westworld season one was a fucking masterpiece and it was downhill from there. And I really hope that's not the case here, but it's not going to be overly surprising if it is. That's, I guess, I'm being a bit more cynical about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's hope for... I think there is hope for this season gaining focus um, because it seems like a lot of the little subplot lines are at this point wrapping themselves up. Mm. Right. I mean, at this point, Huey and, and Annie have like hooked up, but she kind of lets them down. You know, when they get back, she's like, we can't do this because it's too dangerous, you know? So that's sort of like, Burr. all right. That seems like it's 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 achieved some some closure. At this point, Billy Butcher has found his wife and she's let him down. So there's some closure there, you know, like a lot of those little a lot of those little uh, subplots like, um, you know, or even even uh, even Kimiko. Yes, Kimiko, her brother has died at this point. And that sort of opened up like a revenge plot towards towards Stormfront, but it sort of closed that arc as well so it seems like some of these things are starting to like you know um homelander has been rejected by his son you know like so maybe things are going to start to get more focused in the second half of the season
1: Mm. yeah i I agree i think it's you know in my view without we'll get into predictions later but like i feel like it's going to have to get focused and it'll probably be mainly focused on 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 homelander going off the rails you know but um The Billy Butcher one is interesting in particular because Billy Butcher's wife, Becca, doesn't live in the comic, which we talked about in the other episode. And so they kind of painted themselves into an interesting corner in the show where, like, they had to address that. And it's an interesting way that they chose to address it by having him, you know, on a side mission, which has been resolved in the negative negative, see in episode four. So it's a tough one, you know, cause if it's like as the creator of the show, if you write that he doesn't find her for the whole season, he's just going to spend the whole season looking for her. He's not going to give a fuck about anything, but, but her. So you have to kind of tie it off in a way.
2: Yeah. And I, but I, I think that was approached well.
1: Yeah. 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 Considering what they had to deal with, it wasn't approached poorly. Yeah. I agree.
2: Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no boys without Billy Butcher. So, Billy Butcher, you know, rides off into the sunset with his, with the love of his life, the fucking show's over. Yeah. So, you know, they had to do something. And I think it was handled quite well. And it, 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 I felt it, you know, like I, I could feel for
1: it made sense. Like I got it. It makes know? perfect sense that he would have issues with his soup stepson.
2: Yeah. And and also that, you know, um his wife's name is escaping me, but also that she would decide to go the direction that she did. You know, and it was good that they made it clear that they wanted to be together, but they couldn't because of the situation. So I think that's, you know, as as good as it gets. And I, I definitely felt like it, it kinda it hit me in the feels a little bit that whole thing. Like I And some really solid
0: acting by Chantel Van Santen on that. Uh- That last scene when she drives away in the
1: car, just bawling her freaking face off. I was like, wow, that's
2: pretty tight. Absolutely.
1: I don't know. This is like a very, very minor cul-de-sac, but I don't know if you guys have seen For All Mankind, the Apple sci-fi Russians land on the moon first show, but she's one of the stars of that. And holy mother of Jesus, she's a fucking good actress. So yeah, I feel you on the acting in that one for sure. Yeah, she's excellent throughout. I don't mean to downplay her by forgetting the character's name. No, no, no. Um. Not at all. <laughs> We're lucky that I didn't mispronounce her fucking name. Kev, do you have any thoughts on the Billy Butcher thing? You, you barely touched on it before I interrupted you.
0: I know. That fucking groundhog was, like, destroying my plants. I got distracted <laughs> by that for that, That's an injection <laughs> death of, like, an epic proportion, really. I'm insert. All right. Insert
2: Kev Nobody about me. That's right. Betty, Why go for you it you got to give me a fight? No, I deserve do you it. Dude, do you shit do you all over me. Be. me. Can take a big dump right on my head. It's fine. Yeah, are you molding a squirrel out of C4 as we speak?
0: <laughs> oh, here's, a, here's a secondary death. I'm hitting space bar thinking it's shift. Yeah, that's a good one. So I did catch a lot of that. I was, I was mostly engaged. <laughs> I like everything that you said. I, you know, as Ben has often said to me, I don't really have a lot to add to that. Ben kind of said it all. I, I, I added yeah. what I added. You know, the end. I think wouldn't I think they wrap that up nicely. Um, and I agree with him about the whole starlight thing too. You know, like the how it was just like we can't do that again. You know, and it's like it. It all actually makes perfect logical sense, and it also creates you know, great tension for the, the remainder of the show in this season. So, and I'm, I'm talking about Starlight specifically, but also really with Butcher and Becca too. And I, I really like the way that they wrapped that up. I thought it was good. It's like, cause it is a stalemate. It's like, okay, well you, you're not coming to live in the house and we, we can't come with you with the kid. Like he's a billion dollar piece of property and blah, blah, blah. You know, Ben already said it. I just thought they wrapped it up good. And I I really thought she was fantastic in that last scene there.
1: And then I suppose you've got that little like last moment where Black Noir is sitting at the computer seeing Butcher at the facility there. So that's bound to be a big part of the next episode. Oh, no doubt.
2: Alex, you're staking up the kitchen with your stupid lasagna. I just want a coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had that more of like that like kind of cheesy PBS pledge drive kind of thing in my head. Where it was like,
1: you know... For two dollars.
0: Here are some great ways to listen to this great podcast. But I'm not going <laughs> to talk about that. Here's Chad.
1: She's <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks, Kevin.
0: No, and here to talk about that
1: is Algorithm. While you're off in space, traveling to the nearest ring gate, you could be donating to Everybody Dies podcast.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: And for a pledge of just one dollar, you'll get this wonderful nothing burger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyways, we wanted to, we just wanted to chime in and ask that you guys, if you guys like our show, please tell some friends about it. We're trying to Trying to grow the show and make it more awesome for you guys, so we would love it if you could uh, to share us with a friend or jump onto iTunes and give us a rating or something because it helps. Yeah. Yeah, and if you pledge two dollars to our Patreon, you'll get a sweet all edges lasagna pan, and we'll lose like thirty bucks on that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're, we're losing fifteen dollars. Huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what we should come up with as a merch item is a patch. You know, let's kick it 80s style, dude, right? Oh, fuck yeah, like a space patch or something? Yes. Dude, that's such a great idea. Man, I know you're all about patches, bro. So about a patch, so about a patch man. <laughs> I mean, again, we're dealing with the fallout from events from the first season. So there's a lot of, like, tension and a lot of um, brokenness going on. You know, the Huey-Billy relationship that was pretty damn solid in the first season, you know, got fractured. And so there's some some stuff there. And it was just kind of interesting to see the, the gang kind of form up behind huey a couple times and being like dude what's up you're being a dick to billy you know i really enjoyed that 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 level of solidarity you know and i also like that huey was working with starlight kind of behind the scenes to get the compound v situation out into the open you know and taking a huge risk doing it but you know i thought that was pretty neat pretty neat that was though it was
1: super neat. it was pretty neat it was swell too what were your thoughts on on butcher benny
2: um it's no secret that I'm a Carl Urban fanboy, and I, Are you really? I love him as this character, man. <laughs> he's more Billy Butcher than he's ever been, uh, with the mannerisms and the kind of half-baked, you know, quips. And uh, it's great. He's great, man. One of my favorite Billy Butcher moments in this season isn't actually Carl Urban. It's the, the news report with the reenactment. Oh, that was pretty good.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That was so goddamn funny.
2: <laughs> that was That was one of my favorite moments of the entire season so far really but yeah he's like oi shut your trap you dumb bird or else i'll bollocks you
0: because they kept playing it over and over so we got to see it so many times i yeah, it kept happening guy-
2: throughout the episode yeah it's like the, the actor just does not get like you know they're, they're just trying to make it like the actor just does not get like that the fact that, like, a, a Brit would call a, a woman a bird. So instead of saying, like, dumb bird, he says dumb bird. <laughs> like, it's one word. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I thought it was Chris Evans at first, and I could totally see Chris Chris Evans doing, like, a funny cameo like that. He's he's cool like that.
2: That would have been good, yeah. Oi! Shut your trap, you dumb bird. <laughs> <laughs> or else I'll bollocks you. Oh,
0: my God. This stupid stupidest dialogue i love it i swear to god he was saying
1: dumb bat if you want to force another death man that's fine by me
0: force another death how's
2: that i i I watched it several times so i could write down the quote um i could be wrong because that's just what i had in my head you know like Mm.
1: we should be careful otherwise you're either going to be wrong in Cab or you're going to eject for half an hour to prove it with the subtitles in the amazon show <laughs> and be dead against them. i
0: don't have i don't have the wherewithal for either chat so i'm gonna leave- <laughs> i'm gonna let the sleeping dog lie because i think that uh i don't have that we don't have the time to for me to eject for <laughs> half an hour <laughs> <It's>
1: a- <laughs> uh, I'm-, I'm down with with butcher across the board my only frustration isn't necessarily with butcher but it's like the un unnecessary tension between butcher and huey which has a reason in the comic but doesn't really have a reason in the show like it's not spoiling anything to say that like butcher basically doesn't allow or want huey to ever speak to starlight which he kind of made clear early on in season one and essentially like literally cock blocks huey every step of the way and intentionally treats huey like shit in order to 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 cockblock Huey basically, and that doesn't happen at all in this. So that there's like no real need for the tension, and I just found him treating Huey like shit for multiple episodes with no reason, just kind of like pointless, I guess. So I'm not sure if you guys picked up on the tension between the two of them, but I mean, it was pretty pretty obvious, I thought. But
2: yeah, but wasn't it from what he did in season one? Right, I was gonna say it was established in season one that tension,
0: and then he apologizes for it in like the second episode.
1: Yeah. I appreciate what you guys are saying in terms of the other boys coming to Huey's rescue in the sense of being like, hey, butcher, butcher, fuck off. But, like, I just didn't didn't see the point, I guess. See the point of the tension? Yeah, I just was, like, fucking on with the show, you know?
0: Well, I know, but I think the tension was there from the end of the first season. And I think that if you – I, I understand where you're at. And if you had just erased it, you know, like – I could see a strong case of people being like, well, what ha- what's up with that? Like, that yeah. went nowhere. Why did that happen? You know what I mean? I could totally see people saying that. Somebody's yeah. saying that. Possibly even one of us. Hey. Possibly
1: even me. So, but I'm down with Butcher. I, 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 yeah. I think he's, I think he's yeah, yeah. I
2: think they're trying to uh, to play up what, uh, what Mother's Milk so poignantly put uh, that, you know, Huey is Billy's canary. Mm. And, and by the Agreed. way- i would like to get into mother's milk some especially the fucking vermont (laughs) dollhouse same (laughs) (laughs) but but uh but he has some really great like wise shit and some great like anecdotes that he he does in this season yeah he's great but uh, anyways yeah i was uh, more referring to his his astute uh observation that huey is billy's canary so
1: and what do you mean by that like i didn't really pick up on what that really meant was whether he crosses the line can i take this ben yes it's
0: it what he means is that huey is he's a good guy right and he's like billy's moral compass to, yeah. to put it super short and and that that's how billy c- kind of navigates from warpath, as his wife put it to you know his heart i guess you could say
1: but don't you feel like he's already crossed the line multiple times
0: no, it's not about that. It's it's yes, he has. He's absolutely crossed the line. That that Huey is somewhat of his compass of where to go, when to go, how far to go, when to come back. Right, Ben? Wouldn't you
2: agree? Yeah, there's a, there's a balance at play there, and even directly with the group. The group will seem to sort of you know when they when they need Billy, they need Billy. But if Billy wants to do something. Huey will speak up about it where the rest of them would probably just go along. You know, if, if he's doing something that the group doesn't agree with, it seems like the rest of them will just sort of go along with him most of the time. But, but Huey sort of seems to be the one to like speak up and and say what everybody's thinking. So, you know, it's just, it's just like a, a balance in the group dynamic.
1: Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And you're right. Milk mm throws down a lot of knowledge in this for sure i really like where they're going with him in this he's a great character that hasn't had a ton of time it was it was really nice to see his uh opportunity for him to talk about his dad in in episode four what are your your mm thoughts benny
2: it's really just i guess details that don't really matter but you know i i really enjoyed the uh the conversation that he had with with starlight in the restaurant and he tells a story about the you know his dad in the ice cream shop and you know, like just he he has a lot of great little anecdotes and moments of wisdom in this season like that that are just, you know, I think they're a great fleshing out of the character. He he is like the mother of the group, sort of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So it's it's uh, it's just a further fleshing out of the character this season that I'm quite enamored with. Yeah. It's like exactly it the
1: kind of development I want to see for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. The mother thing, I hadn't thought of that, but like, he's like literally the mother, like he practically like licks his fingers and like fixes their hair and shit with the like wet wipes for starlight <laughs> yeah. outside the, the <laughs> diner and stuff. That was so funny.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things I had in, in my notes was something about the, uh, <laughs> can't do a dry wipe.
1: <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and i like the uh other little quip when they're driving and singing uh we didn't start the fire and he's like i'm not your fucking chaperone like it was super funny yeah <laughs> it's like it was a perfectly encapsulated what you would feel like if you were sitting in his chair it was great i'm curious to see what they do with with him um he was he was not overly developed in the comic and so there's an opportunity to Or maybe I should say he was not overly well developed in the comic, and so there's an opportunity to like do some really good stuff. Yeah,
2: I mean, out of anybody, out of any of the characters, I kinda you know, I really hope he fucking gets out and manages to, you know, get back to his wife and his daughter, like Yeah. You know, I think I don't, I would not be. I don't think it would be a satisfying arc for his story for like something bad to happen to his to his you know wife or kids or you know whatever. Like so, I, I hope he out of any out of everyone is able to just sort of get back to his life at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And it and it, that's a great way to to tie into the comic where like his wife is and kid are not really a part of his life in the comic. Like, the the wife is a crackhead and forces the daughter to be a prostitute. Like, it's just the most fucking ridiculous stuff, you know? Ugh, dark. And, like, the daughter is, like, 18, you know, in, in, the, in the comic. So, like, it, it just is, like, they clearly saw it as a stupid thing that was not necessary and, and brought in a more, you know relatable arc of a person who might've had done a bunch of fucked up stuff or keeps getting pulled back into fucked up situations, but still wants to be with his family and stuff. And so, yeah, I agree with yeah. you. I hope that it uh, goes back to that some sort of redemption.
2: I think that's the, the most satisfying of any outcomes I can muster.
1: Yeah. Who knows what they'll do with, with Huey and, and Billy. Cause clearly for whatever reason, I mean, I guess it's an obvious enough reason the show is focusing on the two of them as like the yin yang of, you know, masculinity and beta male trading roles fucking their love lives have similar paths blah 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 but mother's milk's way more relatable yeah absolutely we didn't talk about the dollhouse though you want to talk about the dollhouse
2: it's always funny to see the big tough guy doing something like dainty for you know his daughter sort of yeah yeah, Yeah, yeah
0: it was it was all right i'm sort of already fatigued on that trope as well but yeah I, i'm with you
1: it was cute i feel like he's a he's a bit of a tea kettle though like i feel like him carving a fucking chest of drawers for a dollhouse is the only reason he doesn't like grab one of the automatics in the basement of the haitian gang and just like start shooting everybody <laughs> like it's clearly uh the only way he has to cope
2: yeah they kind of show that where he explodes at huey for maintaining contact with starlight and then sort of like gets the better of himself like gains control but you know i don't know if that makes any difference but
0: no no you're right about that ben that, they're right about that and i think that you know he's a good character i was just gonna say that like the the character writing for the show is really good i really like all the characters they have a really good mix of like flaws and heart you know like milk frenchie all of them really i mean i'm, I'm really just talking about the boys themselves even kimiko
1: really with the the mm-hmm. uh complexities with her brother mm-hmm. yeah
0: totally and just getting, God, getting more of that backstory was just fantastic. Mm. You know, a lot of lot of cool stuff there. I was really bummed when her brother died. I was like, wait, what? No. Kind of bummed me out. Uh, where do we want to go next? Frenchie
1: and Kimiko, maybe.
2: In this season, uh, I, think Frenchie, I think Frenchie ought to give Madonna her 80s t-shirts back. <laughs> you notice that he's always like, it's like cut off. So he's got like a beer midriff and the whole like collar of the t-shirt is cut out. <laughs>
1: He's a funny dude, man.
2: It's like he it's like he should have been in a like a stunt double for her and desperately seeking Susan or something. You know? <laughs> yeah,
0: that's how they rock it in France, Ben, you
1: know, I guess. Or who's that girl? There you go. <laughs> that, yeah, that that is how they rock it in France, isn't it? I like him and Kimiko. I think they're a great great couple of side characters.
0: Definitely. I, I really like uh I just good actor, great character, Frenchie. I'm not gonna say much more than that. Alrighty then.
1: Hasn't really been much of a focus, really, this season. Like, he's kind of a bit of a fucking mess by episode four with the Kimiko stuff. So hopefully they'll spend a bit more time on, on the two of them, you know, in terms of the rest of the season. But who knows? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious they're going to set Kimiko up to take out Stormfront as revenge or whatever. But who knows?
2: Maybe now that they've resolved some of the other side threads that they're going to, you know, seems like they're they're moving in the direction of playing that scenario out. yeah the kimiko and frenchy
1: yeah yeah for mm. sure i thought it was interesting for example that like homelander is sitting on a couch with uh still well watching taxi driver and him being like oh they have no respect and then the last scene with kimiko is essentially the taxi driver walking up to assassinate the dude at the podium Stormfront thing like they're clearly hearkening to the to the taxi driver mm. movie a bit there but then again, Frenchie catches her. Man, that was that's yeah. the great part about
0: him. He's all passion, you know. He's he's a great combination of like heart and passion, and you know, being a bit of a maniac too, you know. So, and then when he tries to kiss her, you know, like yes, yeah, like t- not the right move, bro. No, not the right time for sure, man. You know, he's a bit of a mess. So, is it time to talk about the predictions, theories, uh, positations, as it were?
1: Yeah, I think it makes sense. We're kind of already circling that a bit, so. From my perspective so far, we've kind of covered my couple of predictions. One is Homelander going rogue seems to be the setup from his confrontation with Doppelganger at the end of episode four. And, you know, you guys both convinced me of his scariness in this season leading to him going off the rails, so I feel like that's relatively risk-free prediction and then um it seems like stormfront is the fodder for the season like the sub villain that dies in this season which personally i find kind of boring but it seems to be the setup yes i
0: agree with you i don't really have a ton to add there i think that go ahead ben
2: oh i'll I'll wrap it all up maybe (laughs) i don't really have i don't really have any predictions for this i'm i am not sure where they're going so we'll see
0: i'll echo that i'm not sure where they're going on i'm fine with that i think that stormfront liberty is gearing up to be the sort of central villain of the season super villain as homelander keeps saying and i'm very very excited to see what happens to homelander so Mm. i'll leave it at that keep it short and sweet word pluses minuses episodes Do you guys have any notes on any of that stuff? Let me start it off with the music, which I felt was underwhelming compared to the first season. I understand the Billy Joel thing with the girlfriend, and that's fine. But I just felt like we all specifically commented on that in season one, like how great it was. Because I listened to our episode on that this morning, and I just felt it wasn't
1: as great. And it was kind of a bummer. I really liked Pressure in the first episode, though. I thought that was great.
0: No, I definitely liked that. And I liked the Billy Joel tracks that they picked. But I felt like it was just all Billy Joel. And I was like, where's the rest, man? There was so much great music in the first one. Mm. You know, 80s, 90s. It was it was really cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, we just haven't got there yet. Um, I liked the Billy Joel. I mean, they used uh, Psycho Killer by Talking Heads at the end of uh, episode three, I think. You know, I mean. I don't have any problems yet. I just, again, I am I have a hard time making a lot of like too many criticisms or praises because I don't really, you know, we're, things are really like up in the air by episode four here. I could come down on one side or the other, but I'm not there yet. So who knows what awesome music they're going to have in the in the second half of the season. Or, you know, maybe there won't be any music. And therefore, the information we have so far is yeah. is all there is.
0: I am with you on that, Ben. It could it could be better for season two. I really like your positive attitude about second half of the season, Ben. I'm
1: inspired by that. On a slightly different tack, uh, pluses in the plot for me. Um, the deep as a Scientologist, I really, I'm, I'm digging. Even though it's a complete distraction from the main thread, I just really <laughs> like the idea of him going full Tom Cruise. I did too. Yeah, it seems likely. <laughs> I think that's
2: uh, it's a good place for the character to go. He's still sort of the butt of the joke. I don't know how I felt about the whole Patton Oswalt as uh, Talking Gills. I liked
1: Patton Oswalt was there,
2: <laughs> but it was a weird scene. I, I like Patton Oswalt, but I don't know how I felt about. Like, I just thought that was, I don't know, kind of, kind of, kind of dumb.
1: But it was like intentionally dumb, so that was probably why you don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, same with the uh, same with Homelander and Doppelganger and Stillwell coming back, like. I don't know how I feel about that either. It was fucking twisted, but.
2: Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'll say this much. I had a note like, what? Stillwell's back? Yeah. How the fuck
1: did that At happen? At first, I was then, not into it, and then I was like, oh, okay. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm glad it resolved itself quickly.
1: Yeah, if that had even taken an additional episode to resolve, I would have been pretty pissed. I'm glad they didn't cliffhang yeah. that, but I hear you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I could not stop laughing when uh, when Stock Raven. <laughs> I'm just I I started thinking of Billy Butcher as Stock Raven because he kept saying he said on two different occasions but in at, at one point he was like I'm not Stock Raven. <laughs> it's like he's trying to say Stark raving but he it's like he misunderstands the quote or something. He's definitely actually saying Stock Raven. <laughs> <laughs> so the the scene where Stock Raven like <laughs> It ties in with the deep too, or uh, you know, the deep is is like the cavalry coming, and he's riding the whale, and he he goes to block them off. <laughs> Billy Butcher just like <laughs> kind of gets a smirk on his face and fucking goes, you know, pushes the throttle full forward, guns it. it, smashes into the whale. Like I just I love that.
1: And deep's face when the when the when he saw what was going to happen was just so funny. <laughs> yeah. He's like the oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I rewound that scene a few times <laughs> and laughed every time. Yeah, that was that was good.
0: That was a great bit. I liked that whole that whole thing was great.
1: And Huey's just sitting in the carcass, being like, "I'm done."
2: Yeah, it's like you know what,
1: I'm just gonna stay here. <laughs> <laughs> it was so ridiculous, but yeah, can't yeah. take any
0: more. Uh, I had some more pluses and minuses. I'm just gonna kind of read them off list list like. Do it. So we can kind of just keep it moving. Black Noir, it was great seeing a little bit more of him. I also thought that when he pulled that guy's upper and lower jaw and just ripped his head open was <laughs> we talked about the gore and the graphic violence in the in the first season that we did on this, so we don't need to rehash it, but again, just insane like violence, like just at a whole nother level. Like when he ripped that guy's jaw in half, I was like, Good God,
1: dude. That's a great moment, a great example of of the opposite of what we talked about in the other episodes, though, where we spoke about how the violence was relevant and useful to the storytelling, and that ripping the dude's jaw is not relevant nor useful to the story. So I think it's a good example of like, wasn't necessary, but there are other elements of the violence. Like the whale, for example, is like relevant enough or enough of a thing where it's like, fine yeah the the ripping of the face was kind of dumb sure i already said the opening lunch was
0: funny i love that we find out what uh milk's real first name is marvin that was great i love the vehicles like the van they use and then milk's car when they go on the road trip like i you know a lot of like dope 80s boats (laughs) digging that (laughs)
2: the fucking what was the boat called
0: something it gets it wet or something no, I meant I meant boats like land yachts, like uh, big
1: ah, yes, like, yes, you know what I mean, yes. big
0: classics like a Chevy Impala type, you know, yeah. What else did I have here? Deep, deep at the water park in Sandusky, dude, was so great. It was such (laughs) a bad Santa moment. Are you feeling me? Yeah. yeah. Like bad Santa being like all like drunk, like, yeah, you fucking can't. You don't know shit. Like that was great, man. And then the cops are just like, yeah, it's time to go.
1: (laughs) And he's drinking like really weird umbrella drinks at that bar before he gets cut off. Forget what they were. Yeah, they Kinda were called like lava coladas, flows, or I think, yeah, or something lava, yeah. like that. Like a pina colada, but yeah, lava something. What
0: was with the fresca? I thought that was funny. I, just I don't makes know. Me, oh, Fresca always makes me think of Caddyshack. I can't help it. Yeah. Don't know what was up with that.
2: So it's something to do with that Scientology cult. Must, yeah. That was interesting. Becca wanting
0: the kid to be normal. It's kind of an interesting plot sort of element. Makes sense in a way. Makes a lot of sense, but just a super interesting in the scope of, like, everything that's happening in this whole world of Vought and, like, all of that, you know? I was like, hmm, how about that? When it clearly worked. I mean, the kid is like, you know, I don't want to be a superhero. F off. Like, you know, I think uh, that was about all I had. I really – I just thought the superheroes were just – this. this season really accentuated how marketed and how completely just messed up they all are, you know? Like – and i just i i enjoyed that and it was very disturbing as well you know so
2: yeah those are those are my other yeah. little, little highlights a little like uh girls get it done campaign yeah yeah it just like just wait, all that silliness it, it, and seeing starlight have right yeah seeing starlight have to like plow through all this shit and like yeah yeah and and sort of a Stormfront sort of being like on point by sort of like having enough and being like you know it doesn't matter like you know, if you're competent at your job, then then that's all that fucking matters. It doesn't matter if you have a dick or a vagina, you know? Mm. Absolutely. Sort <laughs> of pointing out that this is all just stupid hype bullshit, you know?
1: Which would have been a great, which would have been ex- exactly the same scene would have been great with Starlight doing that, but I guess it's a little not in character for her.
2: Yeah, I think at that point she's trying to keep her head down a little bit because of what she's up to. Yeah, yeah. You know, so she's, she's pretending to like pull the line, you know?
1: Yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts on the Maeve and Elena Homelander Outing Snore. her as a lesbian thing. Snore. I hated the whole
0: thing. I hated the girlfriend in the first season. I hated her as much in the second season. I just was like, this is so unnecessary.
1: Unless they spend more time with Maeve and, like, Maeve actually goes to the light side of the force. Oh, fuck, I'm dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if Maeve actually gets an arc where she goes to the light side, like, I'm on board. But she has given been given so little screen time that who knows?
0: Yeah. And I I think that's probably it that she has so little screen time. And like, I felt like the dynamic with the girlfriend in the season one was just dumb. I hated the way they set it up. It was just, all of it was stupid. And it was, it was sort of moving in a little bit better direction this time, but it was all just so cliche, trope, cliche, trope, cliche, trope. I was like, get, get me out of here. I want to
2: die. Yeah,
0: um, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm being harsh. I don't know. I just that's the, fair enough. The
2: uh, didn't go anywhere. No, I, I I kind of felt the same way. Um, it does throw a little bit of you know menacing backstory in for uh, Homelander again, though, where you know she sort of confesses that the reason she's been you know trying to stay away is because she's afraid that Homelander is going to kill her. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. She's not being heartless about it. She actually is trying right. to protect her. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, I appreciated that. And I really dug the story. What I don't like is that in season one, she was just like, you know, uh, Maeve, we're not doing this again. I can't do this, you know, da 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 And it's like, hey, <laughs> you know, my number was on your emergency contacts. And it's like, oh, okay, glad you're here. Hey, let's talk about this little statue and stuff. You know, like, ugh, barf, <laughs> Vomit. Get me out of here. I just was like, no, 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 no. Please, no.
1: I can see them setting Maeve up to be the uh, roadblock to Homelander when he comes unwound. Maybe that's what it's all setting up. Could be. Like she actually steps in and slows him down or puts a stop to it or something. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see see her beat him. Mm, Yeah. Beat him up. I, w- I would also watch that.
2: Yeah, there's. Uh, I think there's undoubtedly a conflict coming there. How it's going to unfold, no idea.
1: I think the only other kind of negative I've got is, um, and hopefully they they spend some more time on it, is I find the VOTS military thing and the corporate stuff is way more interesting than a lot of what's been focused on so far. So I, I hope that they spend some more time on that because you know, one of the biggest pluses in the plot for me are the supers aren't the product and it's pharmaceuticals. I find that a really interesting thread.
2: Hmm. What do you guys think about uh friend of the show, Giancarlo Esposito, showing up?
1: I love him.
2: He yeah. feel
0: like he's in everything. I, I, was I, would, I, I could make a great argument that, that we've got Giancarlo fatigue, but I don't have any fatigue. <laughs> he was gr- He was in The Mandalorian. He's been in everything, man. Lately, I feel like he's popping up everywhere.
2: My initial reaction was like, oh, my God, really? Like... <laughs> he's in this too but then i was like ah yeah well he's fucking great so whatever (laughs) yeah
1: and he killed that scene with with homelander yeah and i i was like oh wow holy shit he's in this and i was like wait wasn't he his character in that was still while giving her a promotion so i don't know if it was esposito it must have been but there's like a one minute scene with her getting a promotion in season one he had a super short scene in season one. Ah, i didn't well i didn't remember that no, I didn't either, but I was like, I remembered her getting a promotion from the boss, and I was like, it must have been him, but I didn't specifically recall. But yeah, I, I was on board. I like him. I think he did a great job. I think it's interesting how often these shows and movies, just like our, you know, Minnesota on Dune, where we talked about how Oscar Isaac's in fucking everything, and what's his name? What's, uh, no, what's, uh... Momoa? Beast Rabin? Bautista. Bautista. Bautista's in everything, too. Raban, Rabin, whatever. It seems like everyone's in everything these fucking days. It's like, surely there's more than 10 actors out there.
0: And yet there's not.
1: Um, one thing we didn't touch on at all is the A-Train thing. We don't need to go into any great detail, but I feel like he's just... He had a heart attack, and now he just kind of like stands around panting, not fucking doing anything. It's kind of a weird, weird character arc there.
0: I'm not a fan of A-Train. I... I don't know. Maybe I don't mean not liking the character is a testament to how good the acting is. We did touch on that in another episode about like how you were younger. You'd like, oh, I hate that guy. It's like, you don't hate that guy. You hate the character. He
1: did a good job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he did a really good job. So I guess I got a little bit of that going on with A-Train, but I don't know. Like he's I mean, yeah, he's annoying. Like he's, he's, he's supposed to be, he's annoying. He annoys me. And I, I guess it's a testament to the quality of the acting. And I don't know. I wish it's like, I I also was kind of feeling like, would they just tie him up or not? I feel like they are, but it's like happening so slowly and he didn't get a ton of screen time so far in season two. And I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. I kind of feel like kill him off, send him away or give him more. One or the other. Yeah.
1: Should have got got off the pot. Thank you.
2: You get a good little peek into his uh, motivation when when he sort of, uh, he has that conversation with Starlight and he kind of checks her privilege being like, you know, you're, you're killing the money. Like only somebody who came from money would, would do that. You mm, mm. So you true. kind of, very true. You know, that gives you a little peek into who he is really.
1: Absolutely. Ben on that. Um, there's a really weird behind this, not behind the scenes. Like there's a really weird, like interview. Mm, thing on the extras where like a a woman interviews a bunch of the cast and the creator and like there's like some interesting stuff in the middle and then there's just some really fucking weird stuff where like the interviewer is like asking if they want to die by laser eyes or by pop cloth sitting on their faces and all like watching watching fucking carl urban be like yeah laser eyes thanks you know like it's just a weird thing (laughs) but (laughs) what was this it's like on prime there's like a uh extra. No, like, I
0: didn't bother watching any of those. I was like, yeah, no. I, I feel like those are going to be dumb.
1: You should check it out just for how fucking weird it is. But um
0: Yeah, it sounds like I don't know.
1: There, There's a scene, or there's a question asked of uh, the A-Train actor, who I, I don't know his name, I apologize, talking to him about A-Train and A-Train's motivations and he, he does say that A-Train came up from nothing and one of his biggest fears is you know losing his spot in the seven if he loses his spot in the seven he's fucked and so like it kind of does kind of inform his actions and it also kind of informs the cockiness in a way where it's almost like he's covering for his his ultimate fear by trying to pretend like it's not there and being a cocky prick and stuff so right i agree with you kev it's a should ever get off the pot moment for a train and i wish they would allow him to to really kind of do something because it's a bit of a nothing burger at the moment but um
0: yeah, and I—I I mean, my question is somewhat answered already. Like he's—we already saw Nitro or whoever that other fast guy was. Like, and
1: Homelander was like, "Yeah, you're out," you know. So we—we we know something's happening. But the Nitro thing makes, like this is a bit of an aside, but the Nitro thing makes no fucking sense to me. Like, why would you need a fast guy? Like, the Seven always has to have someone who goes fast. Like, fucking, what are you talking about? I don't know. It's stupid. Whatever. It's it's a bit of a cul-de-sac.
0: <laughs> I agree. I was like, oh, we got to have a speedster. You know, like, what's up with that?
2: That, like, superhero AT kind of has always rubbed me the wrong way. The fast guy. Same. Like, the only time I think I've seen it where it was really done well was uh, Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Like, the scene where, like. Yeah, when they break Magneto out. Yeah, when they break Magneto, you know, yeah, exactly. And they, they do the, like, uh, time Jim Croce time in a bottle sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was quite a quite enjoyable usage of the fast guy trope. But other than that, it just doesn't appeal to me. <laughs>
1: it's just silly. Yeah, the the fast guy trope seems like a, you know, very much seems like, you know, the Stan Lees of the world sitting around a table in the 60s being like, what can we do? And it's like a very 60s-ish idea. Which is just what like what
0: a guy that runs really fast. Yeah. Whoa. Cool. What else could he do? Nothing. I think that what I mean, I I get what you guys are saying. I think I like what DC's done with the flash. I think creating the speed force and like that that's a really interesting way to flesh out that power and that character. But yeah, I agree. The speeding thing's just sort of whatever.
1: Kev's at the end <laughs> of his tank, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. So can we put this thing to death or
1: I've got, I've got, got no more notes, so we should wrap it up.
0: Do we have any nuggets? Anybody?
1: I got no nuggets.
0: You don't have any? Nope. Um, I had a couple little ones. Uh I think the Patton Oswald was sort of a nugget, but I don't know. It's kind of obvious. Uh I thought it was cool that he would do a little little bit part like that. I did have one other, and it was if you pause, if you wanted to really nerd out, pause the show. Look in the background as Huey walks out of the pawn shop for the first time. There is a poster on the wall featuring Liberty for a feminine hygiene product called Autumn Breeze. A douche?
1: <laughs> yep. Yes, that's amazing. Right? Wow!
0: Yeah, because when he walks through the pawn shop, you can see there's a lot of comics, comic related items, what have you, and that's one of the items up on the wall.
1: That's funny. No kidding. There's a. I I think I do actually. I want to sneak a nugget in here where I saw somebody on Twitter. I think, um, sharing that he was watching the, the latest episode with his girlfriend, and as they were watching the scene where Annie and Huey are like walking up the escalator or whatever at the end of the episode where she basically breaks up with them. There's a girl in the background, an extra who's pretending to eat a hot dog. And she's just like holding a hot dog, but not actually eating it and just like faking it. And it's quite funny. Nice. (laughs) I love things like that. You know, I'm digging down deep in the, in the bottom of the barrel when that's my nugget. (laughs) Why? That's a good nugget. Anyway, no ratings, nap deaths, deaths. I got a star Wars death. You had an ejection death. God, I had, th- I had a lot. And
0: they were terrible grisly deaths as
1: well. Ben had none.
2: Mm. I, I poked myself in the neck with the gom jabber when Chad <laughs> said, oh, the- <laughs> Rabin again. <laughs> nice. That's right. You did. <laughs> Mispronouncing beast r- Rabin. Yeah. You said beast Rabin. And then you corrected yourself and said, or, or Raban or whatever. Whatever. But it That's was too funny. late. The minute I heard Rabin, I was like,
1: <laughs> I like it. With a gom jabber. <laughs>
2: I, I had to kill myself with the Gom Jabbar to avoid doing that.
1: <laughs> I, per, I I want you to be called the Gom Jabber for in at least one intro. It's too good. Yeah. I, you want
0: him to be called Gom Jabber in the in a in an intro, is that a new name for Jarhego? Just just
1: once. Maybe for the Dune episode or something. Dude, you,
0: know, you can't <laughs>
1: say something like that to me and then say, dude, only once. And that's true. It, like, completely jumping back, I just love that Elizabeth Shue showed up, even if it was the fucking weirdest scene in the universe. Uh, Yeah, that was super weird with the doppelganger. It was nice to get a, a Elizabeth Shue cameo, though. Like, she was so great in season mm. one. No doubt. Yeah. Can I
0: finish my deaths?
1: Yep.
2: Of course.
0: Yes. Uh, I agree. Elizabeth Shue, great. I bitched about how she died, and there was no more shoe in the first uh, season. So I was happy to see her again, for sure. And the whole breast milk thing was just weird, next level weird, so weird. Uh, I I had a Ben's uh, death similar to Ben's. I died on a mispr- well, I died on a min- mispronunciation of uh, Vought. And then a, a new category of death. I said so a pun that was so egregiously bad that Chad wanted me to die. So that's <laughs> that's now a thing. And then I had a uh, I ejected myself later on in the show when I noticed groundhogs were destroying my garden and. Uh, I was watching that and getting pissed. And then Chad had a Star Wars death. There you go. Anyway, in closing, um, I got to shout. I want to just remind everybody that the Rolling Stones are releasing their new album on Tuesday. And it is a, I was able to preview it. We were able to preview it. And it was really good. It's really good. So check it out. It's really good. Check it out. It's a concept album. And that's all I'm going to say, because I want you to be surprised. Go out and check it out. It's just damn good. Throw him some money. Buy the album. It's really good. I concur. Yeah, Chad concurs. That's all I got for Shouts. Yeah, yeah. Ben concurs. Ben concurs. Uh, what's, what do we got next Go week?
2: Go out and buy it. Zardoz commands it. <laughs> Zardoz commands
1: it. Zardoz and his duckfish. Next week, we're doing Reign of Fire. Oh, dude. Yes. The best worst dragon movie ever
0: Christian Bale dragon movie Penic level 4
1: They live on death and feed on ash I can't wait
2: (laughs) (laughs) I will see you later or I will see you on another time
0: There you go man So long folks See ya that's going to wrap up this week's episode folks thanks for tuning in so much you can find the show notes for this episode in your podcast app own choice or at our website ebd.fm forward slash episodes forward slash 72 if you'd like to support the show there's a couple great ways you can do that as always you can rate us and review us on the plethora of podcast platforms that are out there apple stitcher whatever also please think about giving us a review as well. A written review really goes a long way to getting more people to listen to the show. You can find us on all social media at EBD Podcast. Uh, Also, we're mostly on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook, but the conversations are mostly on Instagram. So please come over and join us. You can also make requests there and we love chatting and usually one of us is on. So jump in and join us. Thanks again for listening to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed this part one of the boys season two and we'll see you on another time later i i forgot on the ice pirates episode i forgot to call you gar Higo.
2: oh no uh, that would have happened on the Zardar's right? episode you should have called me czar higo oh god damn
1: it that's so good how could i
2: mm. It's our dollars commands it.
1: I like how I like how we're randomly about to f- fire up a boy season two, and I ask you what you think, and then you think about a six week old show and how you wish you did it differently.
0: <laughs> After I was like, "Come on, let's go, let's go." Let's That's go, like when let's you go. think
1: about a comeback to to like somebody bullying you in school, like four years later, and you're like, "I should have said yep. that." It's like a bit late, bro.
0: Yeah, it's a little Costanza, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I slept with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <sighs> holy jesus anyway, so anyway tell me you two tell me uh, what you think no ben was about to start to give his penic level
1: mm